Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of three best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, 101 Proven Ways to Increase Efficiency and Make More Money in Lawn Care. Now available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Green Industry Podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Paul Jamison, here in the ATL. We talk about how you can take your lawn care landscaping business to the next level. And today, I'm joined with my friend, Dr. Frank. We're going to talk about how to deal with our competition. Hey, Paul. So good to be back again. Can't wait to talk about this topic. Yes, I'm excited. T- teach me, my friend. Well, here's the thing, Paul. Everybody's got competition, usually. And it can even uh, keep business owners up at night thinking about their competition because sometimes they get a leg up on you and you don't really know what to do about it. Or you just want to become more dominant mm-hmm. competitor in your market. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you look at the research in terms of business building uh, there's really three main strategies that emerge that are very powerful for dealing with your competition. And that's what I want to talk about today with you. All right, let's talk about it. Well, <laughs> did, well, first of all, what's your story about competition, Paul? Did you ever tell us about some of the competition you had to face? And uh, well, well, you got the big boys here in Atlanta, Gibbs. Yeah, I'd, I'd pull up and I see these big old box trucks that say Gibbs, over 350 awards, you know. And then I'd, you know, see these fancy trucks. Back then it was Brickman. They're the biggest company. They uh, joined Valley Crest and formed a new company called Brightview. But, you know, they're, they're here. And then Russell, Russell, I believe, does like 35, 40, $45 million a year. Gibbs does approximately the same. I get it mixed up between 35, $45 million a year in revenue, you know. And, at the time, Rickman was a billion dollar company, you know, and here I am in my little Ford F-150, <laughs> you know, <laughs> popping. The, so I, I, uh, I guess it was so intimidating. It's like, man, how do I compete with these guys? Um, so t- teach me. Well, really, Paul, there's three main strategies that I have seen that's come out of the research. One is in dealing with your competition. Uh, the first thing that most business owners usually think about is, and it works sometimes, not all the time, but it does work sometimes, is outcompete your competition. Just find ways to just flat out go head to head with them and outcompete them. We'll talk about that in detail. Uh, the second way is uh, using a totally different strategy altogether, and that's finding ways to reduce your competition flat out. And we'll talk about that as well. And then the third way that the research shows it's just flat, uh, flat eliminating your competition altogether. And that's a radical concept. And we're going to talk about that also. All right. Let's get into so it. let's talk about out-competing your competition. Usually that's what the business owner thinks of doing first. Well, you know, I, I think I'm as good as them, maybe even better. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go head to head with them. And that will sometimes work. That uh, out-competing your competition means finding new ways to position your company 
with better marketing exposure and articulating the most convincing marketing message about your company better than your competition does. Mm -hmm. That is probably a good strategy if your competition is not that sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can see that they're a good company, but their messaging is is really poor. And, and you may offer exactly the same thing they offer and have the same advantages to the customer that they do, but you feel that you can get your marketing message out, whichever vehicle that you use, whether it's advertising, whether it's word of mouth, whether it's going to public meetings and giving a, a presentation, whatever it is, you can articulate mm-hmm. what you offer better than your competition. Uh, that's that's probably a good strategy if you can out-message them. Mm-hmm. Or uh, in terms of quality of message or accuracy of message, or you can step up your game with advertising and, and spend the money to get visibility better than they can mm-hmm. or, or their willingness to do it. Maybe they have the money, but they just don't spend any money on advertising. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of ways to advertise. There's expensive ways and inexpensive ways. They're just not sophisticated enough as your competition to do that. Then you could go head to head with them and, and beat them out. It really all depends on how much effort in marketing innovation is needed to stand out uh, as your company. This and so really, you're viewing uh, going head to head with your customer like a like a war or like a battle, where every move you make marketing wise is a battle maneuver, calculated to enhance your position in the marketplace, but at the same time disadvantaging your competition. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the way you want to think if you're going along that way. But if you're going against a well established company that's figured marketing out over time. Mm-hmm. Everybody figures out marketing over time. It's just that um, if you don't have a lot of money, you run out of time, you run out of money before you figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's why it's very important to figure out how to do marketing in a smart way up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's basically what we're, what we're talking about. Uh, any comments on that one, Paul, in terms of going head to head? Did you ever go head to head with some of your competition? Yeah, I mean, you I, saw the big boys in some of the neighborhoods you were you were competing in. Uh, did you ever go head to head or did you do something entirely different? Well, I, I guess I went head to head. I, I feel like I got knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what happens. Yeah. Unless the, unless the player that you're competing with is not as sophisticated, where you can craft a better message or you can spend more money with the messaging, or you can actually go to different channels with the message that they're not using. Totally. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. All right. The second way is a different strategy. Usually business owners don't think about this as much. Um, Some of them do, but it's uh, not going head to head. And uh, basically, you know when... um, you, you can't go head to head anymore where you've done everything you could in terms of going again, going with them in, in the same marketing channels with basically the same message and it's just not working. Then, mm-hmm. then you, you, you try a different strategy. Reducing your competition is the second one I want to talk about. That's a really good strategy as well. When it can be correctly concluded that the effort and cost required to successfully outcompete your competition is no longer worth it, then it may be time to deploy ways to reduce your competition. That's how you know to go to the second strategy. And that's basically through niching or segmenting your market. Mm-hmm. If 
you're in a big pond in the competition or big fish and you don't feel you can compete like a big fish like they can in the big pond, mm-hmm. then it's time to uh, go to a smaller pond mm-hmm. where you can maybe be a big fish. Mm-hmm. And that works when you, when you niche or segment your market and say, well, I can't be everything to everybody like the big players, but I'm really good at one or two things, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's particularly good if you can find a niche that you you feel that you can be a big fish in mm-hmm. a smaller pond, so to speak, mm-hmm. where it's small enough where your big player comp- competitors mm-hmm. are not willing to play in that small pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they can do that too. They can compete with you in the small pond, but they make more money by being the big player in the big pond. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, if you niche it small enough, they could say, "Well." I'm not going to go ahead. They won't go head to head with you as a big company competing against your smaller company because it's just not worth it to them. Right. They, they make plenty of money in the big pond and they know nobody can compete with them in the big pond. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's what you want to do is, is kind of look at your market, segment it, and then niche your company products and service. Maybe just initially, mm-hmm. you know, the entry level thing that you're trying to use to acquire that new customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, is in a small pond. It's a, it's a niche business, and maybe you'll offer many more things to them as well. But you're mm-hmm. you're mainly spoke focusing your marketing message on 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 the niche product or service. That's so good, Doctor Frank. Let's kick it over to the best producer in the biz real quick. Hear a word from today's show sponsors. Coming up, more we'll have more tips on how to deal with the competition with my friend. <laughs> Hey, Landscaper, do you work hard all year for freedom but still feel as though your money controls you? Unfortunately, because you can't give bookkeeping your full energy or focus, it just sits there most nights untouched, continually haunting you? Because your business demands your time elsewhere, you need a personalized bookkeeping solution dedicated to your industry. Gulf Coast Bookkeeping, now known as the Landscaping Bookkeeper, is dedicated to giving your time and peace of mind back through our monthly bookkeeping service. You can begin this partnership with us today by going to gulfcoastbk.com and scheduling a 15-minute phone call. We want you to become a confident and informed business owner. We'll take care of your grain so you can take care of theirs. Schedule a 15-minute call today at gulfcoastbk.com. Hello, Green Industry Podcast listeners. This is Xander Kirby with Pure Marketing Agency. Many of you may have heard me as a friend of the show as I'm a huge believer in Paul and our great landscaping community. Five years ago, I began trifecta landscaping with zero experience, and by God's grace, we have grown into a multi-million dollar debt-free company. I was able to do this in large part with having a great understanding on social and digital marketing, and that is why we are now launching my new company, Pure Marketing. Every thriving business needs a top-of-the-line website, consistent and creative content, and full optimization of Google and digital footprints. If you're ready to grow your business and for new clients to discover you, contact our team for free at puremarketingteam.com, where we focus purely on marketing so you can focus purely on your business. It's Brittany here with the Hardscape Academy. If you're serious about keeping good, qualified people around, then you have to train them. You can say, well, what if they leave? I've trained them and I've spent all this time and resources on it. But what if they stay and you haven't taken that time to train them and they're not able to grow within your company and run their own jobs? That falls on you. So check out the hardscapeacademy.com to train yourself and your crews. This month, we're going to be launching our Crewman Paver training video. 
This video is for your employees. It is the how to hardscaping and not so much the why everything is done the way it is. In this 45 minute video, you'll be able to brief your employees on paver installation basics so they're ready to crush the day on site with you. The hardscapeacademy.com is the place to get skills and training for you and your crew so you can excel as a professional hardscaper and grow your company. You'll learn all the techniques and best practices to properly install pavers and retaining walls. Check out thehardscapeacademy.com. All right, guys, we're back with Dr. Frank talking about dealing with our competition. What's next, Dr. Frank? Well, we've covered two of the three. Uh, the first one, uh, ways to handle your competition effectively is I'll compete with them. And we talked about uh, when that's a good strategy and when it's not. The second one we just finished, which was reducing your competition. And that was through niching or segmenting your market, trying to be a big player in a small pond. The third way is probably the hardest of the three, but it usually is the one that will bring the greatest result if you can figure it out. And there's no way that we can tell you step-by-step how to do this one. This one's going to require innovative thinking by the business owner who knows his market, knows his business, knows what he's good at, knows what his customers want. That's that's when uh, this method, this technique becomes uh, very effective. Eliminating the competition often requires really the most marketing innovation where you're thinking in a new way that creates a new demand in an uncontested market space while rendering your competition irrelevant. That's basically where you are inventing uh, a new way of doing business or you're realizing that even though you're going to offer the same thing, you come to realize you're really offering something different in the mind of the customer for them to buy. And then you, you still do the same thing, like cutting the grass. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you an example of that. But uh, first, I wanted to mention that this thing has been researched. There's been some researchers that have looked at um, historical examples over like 100 years worth of companies across all kinds of different industries, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, that created very successful new markets. And because it was a new market, um, it was a new market within an existing market where mm-hmm. everybody was thinking the same way and they're saying, well, you know, there's nothing more to do here. But they looked at that market in a new way, in an innovative way, where they were able to offer something similar or even the same thing, but it was perceived differently by their mm-hmm. marketplace. Now, I know we're talking vagities. I'll give some examples in a minute. Um, and so as a first mover in that new way of looking at the market, they virtually enjoyed no competition for quite a long while until other companies started to realize, Hey, I, th- I think I see what they're doing. And then they tried to be me too. By, by that point, uh, those me too companies were so far behind that they could never catch up. Mm-hmm. And, and so what came out of the research, which, which was so surprising, about companies in existing markets that thought about it differently, about what they were offering, mm-hmm. that they created a whole new niche, uh, most of those new markets were not created th- through the introduction of some new technology, which often happens too. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have a new kind of lawnmower or, or power device. But instead, they were the result of the company and the product repositioning within an unattractive market that was already overcrowded. Mm. It was just a repositioning. Um, a, a good example of that is, I, oh, in a lifetime past with me, 
I used to do consulting mm -hmm. in the telecom industry in a certain niche where I was like um, one of the national experts in, in this new thing that the federal government was requiring telecom companies to develop. Mm -hmm. to, it, was, it was a new federal requirement and mm -hmm. I won't go into all the details about that. But I had all the technical knowledge of that, mm. and 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 that's what I was I was promoting with these uh, these um, local exchange carriers. These mm -hmm. were um, startup companies that were going to compete with Ma Bell in the local local phone business, mm -hmm. and um, and I would try to sell. I'd go in and give a presentation of my technical abilities until I realized I really I was being hired for my technical abilities. Mm -hmm. And, and they wanted that. But more than that, they really wanted something else. And once I realized that, I geared my presentation, my marketing message when I'd go into a company and talk to the VPs and all mm -hmm. uh, differently. And I got much better results. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, you know, I'm in the technical business. I can, I can tell your company how to technically build this new capability that's required by law by a certain deadline. Mm -hmm. I switched my focus to realize I was in the insurance business mm -hmm. more than I was anything else. What does that mean? That means the vice president in the, in the company, his head was on the chopping block and it was going to get chopped off if he couldn't meet the demands of this federal mandate in his company by the certain time that required a lot of technical ability that he didn't have in his company. And so if I, if I could approach my presentation in those meetings to sell my services, which mm -hmm. at that point was uh, consulting services in this technical area, and it was a niche, so I was a big fish in a small pond, mm -hmm. uh, which was also in my favor. If I couch my presentation where I made it very clear, you, Mr. Vice President, who has the, the authority to hire somebody like me or not, uh, I'm your insurance policy. I am your best insurance policy. If you hire me, you're going to keep your job and, and you're going you're gonna to maybe even be promoted because uh, you're, you're getting the right person and I'm your best insurance policy. Mm -hmm. that, now, that's just a little bit different way of looking at my business and my sales went up. And so um, there's, other, there's other examples of that, but it's basically um, you want to create an immediate and great demand for your products in a new way, mm -hmm. or you're, you're presenting an image about offering what, you're off, what you offer in a new way mm -hmm. that your competition can't easily duplicate. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for example, and I've heard you say this many times, Paul, and I want you to chime in uh, at some point. I've heard you say many times when you were at that top neighborhood, one of the top neighborhoods in Atlanta, uh, where some of the, some of the homeowners were were coaches of the Atlanta Falcons or some of the football players. See, these are really high end guys. You realized at some point you were not just in the lawn mowing business. More than anything else, you were in the convenience business, mm -hmm. and you were in the status business because um, you you wanted their yard to look. They wanted, they wanted their yard to look good, but they also wanted a no-hassle person to do business with who is reliable. And in the status business that looked professional and, and did such a high-quality job and treated the customer so well that they could refer you to other of their friends 
not just to be a nice guy to help out their friends, but it made them look good. It was a status thing. I found the, I found the, the high-end company mm-hmm. in your company for lawn care, and I want to share it with, with my buddies. Mm-hmm. You, I've heard you say that so many times. You were not just in the lawn cutting business. You were in the convenience business and the status business. Yeah, totally. How, how would you add to that? Well, I would just say there's a certain, so if you're just in a cookie cutter neighborhood, most folks are just looking for someone to cut the grass and, and, and they don't care if it says ABC lawn care. And one week you have, you know, one guy out there and the next week, you know, they'll have different employees. We're in the same company shirt or whatever, but they don't care. As long as they're, 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 their yards mow edge, trim below, they're happy campers. But I found a, a very specific niche. For example, I've shared about this on the show, and I actually love to interview him sometimes. He's a CFO of a company you've all heard of in Silicon Valley. He's a big shot, big, big, big shot. And what I realized, because he had a vacation home that he wanted me to take care of. I had a key to his super nice house. <laughs> and um, he was trusting me to do more than lawn care, but to actually manage his house and and, and to, to do some things inside the house as well as outside the house. And it was this trust where they would pay me pretty much anything. Anytime I ever asked for money, they, there's never one time Frank ever where they said, Oh, we can't do that. Or it was always, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Which showed me I was leaving money on the table, but I found this niche where I could be convenient. I could give them what they want. And, um, you know, it was, it was a very small market, but I dominate, I was their go-to person. And then they have other friends that are high level that they play golf with, or they're, you know, fly on the airplane to the football game with, right? The head coach talks to the defense coordinator, right? Like, oh man, you got Paul, Paul will take care of you. Just call Paul, he'll, he'll take care of it. And and, and I, I became Paul. I became that guy that they trusted. The go-to guy that they trusted. Yeah, the guy could take care of their property. When they're when they're out, you know, out of, out of town for three months, they come back, the air conditioning's set, the car's washed, gas, everything's set. And, uh, you know, the regular run-of-the-mill lawn care business was just mow edge, trim blowing. And here I am, you know, shining the guy's boat before he goes boating on Memorial Day weekend. Right. Well, here's the point, Paul, because of the way you described that scenario, which, which, which was so excellent, the regular lawn guy who was competing in that same neighborhood, he, you eliminated him as a competition because yeah, he could cut the grass just as good as you, but he was not perceived as the go-to guy who could handle all these other things and I could rely on him for, for much more. Mm -hmm. And therefore he, you were the preferred vendor. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, uh, one other example I can give, um, is instead of being in the lawn care business or the landscaping business, which you're going to offer as a service and you really are in that business, be perceived by your market in a particular niche where um, you're the convenience company mm-hmm. or you're the status company where um, they, are Im- they would impress their friends by introducing their friends to you and it, it makes, makes them look good or, or you're the high-end company that presents well in the neighborhood when you're doing their yard. Mm-hmm. Or maybe another idea is to be the information company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're still going to cut lawns. You're still going to do landscaping, but you're differentiated yourself where you're the go-to company to learn about this or that, where your competition would never take the time to do that. And you've eliminated them as a result mm-hmm. as your competition. I guess the uh, one more example I can give of this is uh, back in the day when personal computers or laptop computers as well were, were new. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about 
like uh, the late 1980s, uh, early 1990s. This is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. There was a company called Dell Computer, which is now huge. Mm-hmm. But they they realized they were selling computers like everybody else. But they realized that they could be in the convenience business, and so they were the first to really offer their uh, their sales through the internet. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to walk into a store and and touch the merchandise. You could buy it online and have it shipped to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just offering the business in, in a different way that provided convenience. And they stole the market. They, they Michael were, Dell. Michael He's Dell. He's a good friend. You know him personally? No, I know a guy named Michael Budell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael Budell. <laughs> I do know Michael Budell. Not, not Michael Dell, though. So th- those are really the three main strategies that's come out of the research for uh, competing with uh, very effectively with your competition. You either outcompete them, and there's limits to that. Or you reduce the competition by niching, or you just become very innovative and realize, you know what, my customers really want, in, at least in this segment of the market, they really want this other thing. Uh, they want the same service, but they want it to perceive that they're getting it a different way, or they're getting a different value from it, and that's eliminating your competition altogether. So that's that's how I'd summarize it, Paul. Very, very encouraging. Definitely got me thinking, and, and I hope this has inspired you guys as you look at your business, as you look at your market, as you look at your po- possible opportunities. Thank you for your time, Dr. Frank. If you guys want more from the marketing guru, we uh, did nine modules together. We went deep. We put on your scuba gear. <laughs> Dr. Frank goes deep on how to market your business, and I really increased those sales. You guys can pick that up over there at the greenindustrypodcast.com. Hope to get you back on the program, my friend. This has been a Jameson Media and Mr. Producer production.